Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome, everybody, to the Nurse Leader Network. We hope that you are having a fantastic Thursday. Today, I get to reunite with one of my gal pals from one of our last jobs, and she's going to just dish out so much knowledge on you guys. So if you are driving, I suggest that you continue the episode, but listen to it again with a pen and pencil. So today's guest is Lori Armstrong. She is the CEO and Chief Clinical Officer of Inspired Nurse Leaders. Welcome, Lori. Thank you. Thank you. So excited to be here, Chris, and so excited for us to reconnect. I know. So just for all the listeners who are wondering, like, where do they know each other from? Lori and I both work for Kaiser Permanente. We're both chief nurse executives there. And all oh, the stories we could tell about being oh, chief nursing stories, executives. We're not gonna, we're no. Not do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, what we're going to tell you is what we learned and how you can apply that to become an amazing nurse leader. So Lori, tell me about how did you get into nursing? Tell the listeners your background. Well, I first I have to talk about Kaiser real quick because <laughs> Kaiser's gigantic organization. And so there were probably out of all the different regions, 40, 45 chief nurses. So I worked in Northern California. Chris was in Southern Cal and we don't always mix, but I just kept seeing her name with all these cool things that you were doing, Chris. And then I saw the Nurse Leader Network. I was like, I need to reach out to this woman. She's pretty great. So out of all of those, Chief nurses, you stood out to me. I'm so happy to be here now. You know, it, it's funny because I remember following you on LinkedIn before we had like officially met. And I was like, oh my God, this woman is brilliant. Like she's super brilliant. And then when your website launched, I remember you putting it up on LinkedIn and I took a look at it. I was like, oh, she's going places. And then when you invited me to that meeting where we talked about what needs to happen in our profession, what do we need to do? Let's take the bulls by the horn and start doing it because we're just too siloed. We're not getting where we need to go. Well, I agree. And it's that connection in the community that has your question was about my journey, right? And for anybody listening, connections in your network are critical, no matter what stage of your career you're on. And I have really humble roots. I was a NICU nurse, clinical nurse to begin my training. And I always wanted to be a NICU nurse from nursing school. And when I graduated way back when, I will not say the year. um, (laughs) 2002. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) When I graduated, nurses weren't allowed really generally to go into the ICU. You had to be a med surge nurse for two years. I remember telling her that I don't care if I have to move to Alaska, I will be a NICU nurse. Thankfully, I did not need to move to Alaska, even though it's beautiful there. I was living in New York at the time, and I found a local organization that would give me a proper nurse residency in the ICU, and that's where it all began. And I loved ICU. I was one of those, you know, I want to learn everything clinically, pathophys, and a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, even back then. Then I decided after a few years, and I loved it, I still actually do work for the National Association of Neonatal Nurses. So I've kept my finger in or my toe in the water, I should say, of my clinical passion, but I wanted to learn more. So I transitioned to the PICU, the PEDS ICU, which I loved and learned so much, but that's where I caught the leadership bug. And from then on, I was a charge nurse. I was very traditional, charge nurse, assistant manager, nurse manager, 
service line director, and then had the privilege, one of the honors of my career, to be a chief nurse for about the last 15 years at fantastic organizations. And I did women's and children's leadership, was the CNO at Morgan Stanley Children's at New York Presbyterian. And then I decided I'm always, I don't know, I'm always (laughs) testing myself. Okay, what can I learn now? Which is, it's important for us to always be looking and growing. So then I decided to take a big leap out of women's and children's. And I went into a hospital that actually had like adult men at it, like a regular (laughs) full service hospital. Sounds kind of normal to some people, probably like you, Chris, but who have done it, but leaving the women's and children's hospital administration, that was a big leap for me. I'd done it for 20 years and that's how I landed at Kaiser. And I'm so thankful I was there chief nurse for about five years and then in a regional role. So great, great experience. Yeah. Kaiser was probably one of the best jobs I've ever had. The people there are tremendous. I mean, the network, the support. The ability to innovate it really was a great place to work. So for those that are listening, highly recommend Kaiser, and especially here in Los Angeles. It's I've worked all over LA and it really was a really great place to work. So totally agree with you on that. And I wasn't a traditional nurse executive either. And so I can totally relate when you say you went from like all, you know, children's to adult. I actually came from ambulatory. So I was a nurse practitioner in the ambulatory setting. And I was like doing pap smears one day. And then the next day I was overseeing nurse practitioners, you know, for all of the Veterans Administration and all the RNs for the Veterans in ambulatory. So I oversaw all of ambulatory practice. And so I actually went the untraditional route, but then also had a very similar like, oh, wait a minute, now I'm going to be doing inpatient that I haven't done in I don't know how many years. So, yeah, totally. that That is very untraditional. You don't see it. I will say it takes a lot of courage to go from ambulatory to inpatient because they're two totally different animals. They're different animals, but here's the fact. The facts are leadership is leadership. Whether you're inpatient, outpatient, and running for presidency, you have people skills. If you really want to inspire other people, you can learn the background. And as well as I do, like as a chief nursing officer, we don't have to know everything. That's what we have our directors and our managers for. They're really the content experts, and we're just there to help them guide them on their path. So, Well, and... Chris, you are spot on that leadership is leadership. Now, there are times where you might need clinical expertise. And if you don't have it yourself, you tap into your people. But leadership is about encouraging, enabling other people. And I spend a lot of time actually in my role. I actually teach leadership to other disciplines and other specialties. So talk about having to be courageous. Last summer, I was teaching and coaching Silicon Valley executives in leadership. Oh, how awesome. Wait, the experience was priceless, right? However, for when I got asked to do it, I don't think I slept on and off for like two weeks. (laughs) I was so nervous. But to your point that leadership is about engaging, inspiring, empowering, and encouraging people. It's that human condition. And when you're a leader in one discipline, you can certainly be a leader in another or a different industry. Yeah, I totally agree. And you don't even need a title, right? I mean, you can display leadership without a title. Well, I love that you said that. I don't know. We didn't plan this, listeners, I swear. But <laughs> I was just I was just talking to someone the other day of like, you know how they used to say clothes make the man? Mm-hmm. Titles don't make the leader. Nope. It's your behavior and your actions that make the leader. That's the difference. And leadership is everybody's business. It's not just for the titled leader. And listen, we all have stories of people with a big title. 
whether it's in our organization, in our communities, politics, perfect example, you might have a title, but you're not leading anything or anybody. Yeah, we've all seen them and we've all probably worked under them. And those were those jobs that were like, wow, I, I really didn't like that job. Because it really does. 100%. You know. and, and leadership is about having a vision, being strong in your values. And then from your values, you're leading with that vision. And it so resonates with your team that other people want to follow you. Yep. They don't have to follow you. They report to you, but they don't have to willingly follow where you're taking them. So that's the essence of leadership right there. Yeah, that's a perfect. I love that definition because it's true. You can see like, I mean, there's been so many jobs that I've been in where like these nurses will like even call me after hours like, hey, I'm working on this. And they're so excited and you see their passion. And that's leading is when you have these people that are just excited about what it is they're doing and they feel like they can contribute versus I've had family members who or working with people that didn't, you know, they were just kind of nippy or had really poor communication skills. And then their job really, even though they loved the job, they really didn't like the role because of who they were working right. with. So definitely. Yeah, it comes out in your passion. And when you have that passion, it, it kind of fuels your purpose that you're there. And for nurses, we're so lucky. You know, our purpose is to be in service to our patients and families. So we're pretty fortunate that way. Yeah, we are. Okay, so for our listeners are we have listeners for that are still in school. We have some that are early on in their nursing leadership career, and we have some that are at their executive level. But what do you think are some unified topics or ideas that should really be on the top of mind of all nurse leaders, whether informal or formal nurse leaders? Well, a couple things jump into my mind. I am worried, and I know all of us in nursing leadership are worried about the current workforce data with concerns about the impact of COVID, of the pandemic, so levels of stress and anxiety and depression. We're all worried about that. We're all worried about the, there's a prediction by the end of this decade that 700,000 nurses will be leaving our profession. That is, it's right there, it makes me stop in my tracks. But then we have to layer the nursing school status. They're the faculty average age. Do you know what the average age of the nurse faculty is, Chris? I think it's somewhere in the late 50s. And this was, I didn't mean to put you on the spot or a text. <laughs> no, I just read an updated article two weeks ago and I couldn't believe it. Average age of nursing school faculty, 65. Sheesh. Wow. 65 years old. And so a third of them are going to retire within the next like five years. Wow. Right? Yeah. So we can't, the supply and demand, that equation doesn't work. We've got a lot of people leaving and we can't produce them fast enough to fill the, the demand. Yeah. And so, there's so many educators that I know that are like, I'll never go to a school of nursing because they can't afford it. They can't afford to live. You look at the salary and they'd be making less as a educator than they would as a frontline nurse and they just can't 100%. afford it. 100%. There's, they say there's at least a 30% delta between what you can make clinically or administratively and versus going into academia. What I will say is all of us involved have to have our eye on that ball. So first and foremost, we have to keep nurses at the bedside. If they want to stay at the bedside, we have to make sure we're engaging them. And I see that as a top three priority for any nurse leader is employee engagement. And we've all been working on engagement year over year. It's not new. Yeah. It's not, not a new expectation. We all had it in our performance evaluations as a goal, but the contemporary strategies for engagement are critical. 
I have an actually have an article coming out in Nurse Leader Journal in August. We're really excited about it because we have a framework for engagement strategies. And I'm going to say fancy, sexy, contemporary strategies. I like that. Fancy, and they're not all that new. <laughs> However, but I have to be honest. <laughs> but the clinical ladder and the shared governance or shared leadership has to be reimagined. I was going to say blown up, but I didn't want to be negative. <laughs> I'm going to start telling my son, son, I'm going to reimagine your room if you don't clean it up. Wait, exactly. <laughs> But it has to be reimagined because our current workforce, within the next couple of years, millennials will be the majority of our workforce, both at the bedside and in leadership, by the way. So we need to make sure we're reinventing, reimagining some legacy structures like the clinical ladder and shared leadership into what works for them. And so I'm calling it contemporary and new and sexy, even though it might be 20 years old, but it's absolutely critical for any nurse leader right now. When you talk about, um, sorry, when you talk about clinical ladder, talk to me more about what might that look like when you're reimagining a clinical ladder for those that are listening, what does that look like? You know, I talk to a lot of frontline nurses. I'm sure you do too, Chris, and nurse leaders, whether they're managers or CNOs and We've been in some very intense conversations about, I want to call them legacy and bureaucratic structures of clinical ladders. So for example, if you're a clinical nurse too, whatever the moniker is at your hospital, you have to be a clinical nurse too for a certain amount of time and achieve these activities in these areas. How do we know that the two-year requirement is right? or accurate, or resonates with our current workforce. I'm seeing that people don't have as much, I won't say they don't have as much patience, but they perceive their readiness for new experiences very differently than people in my generation did. And I think we have to be nimble and, and change to those new mindsets. And we talk a lot about the millennial workforce not being loyal. And I think that they might not be loyal to organizations, but they're loyal to our profession. So it might not be loyalty to X hospital, but they're loyal to being a nurse. And that's what we have to nurture. Wow. I mean, you're definitely on the right track with this. I think I would agree in terms of maybe it's patience, maybe it's not patience, but just me, I'm a millennial. And so I consider myself a serial job hopper. And I know that's probably not respected among some folks, but like every three years, I usually have an itch and I have to go scratch that itch. And it doesn't mean that I'm not loyal to the organization. It just means that I have given my best at something and it's now time for me to give my best at something new because I get bored. That is a perfect description of why nurse leaders, and particularly I'm going to call out maybe the directors who are listening and the CNOs who are listening to think about that. You want to scratch an itch because You want to learn and grow and you want a new experience, right? Think about the vastness of all of our hospitals and systems we work in. Yes, there are still some single operating facilities, but many of us are in systems now, right? Think about clinical ladders in terms of the entire continuum. So many people that I work with and clients that I work with in redesigning this kind of stuff, when you look at the actual requirements, it's really focused on inpatient advancement. And hey, listen, if I have a really mature 
or enlightened organization, they'll include ambulatory in there. But is there informatics included? Is marketing included? Is social media? Is maybe innovation? Yes, exactly. And so I think that we have to think broader, deeper, and in terms of how the nurse's voice can add value. And I know we haven't talked about COVID yet, and everybody's sick of talking about it. And I'm so excited we're coming out of the fog. But what I will say is, one of the silver linings, if there you can even say there's a silver lining, I think the opportunities for nursing, you're seeing an explosion in opportunities for nursing because of COVID. Technology, software, innovation, medical device innovation. I know you're experienced in spending some time in that area too, Chris, and I just think it's fantastic for nursing. Yeah, it is fantastic. What I see is I'm working right now. There's going to be a nurse hack for health hackathon that Johnson and Johnson, Sanseo and Microsoft put on. It's coming up in May and um, I'll have the dates in the show notes for those that are interested. But one of the things that we were hearing was people thinking that, well, if the nurses innovate on something, they're going to leave and I want to retain myself. I don't want to push them out the door. But I think that's very short-sighted in that you could be creating intrapreneurs, right? You can be creating people that are innovating constantly innovating, bringing all kinds of new solutions so that your organization becomes the forefront. Because I know for myself, when I'm innovating, whether that's inside or outside of my organization, I still have a loyalty to the people that I worked with, right? At Kaiser, I still want to dedicate, I don't no longer work there, but the work that I'm doing, I would love to invite them into. And they call me up and invite me into the work that they're doing because it's a partnership that we just hold on to forever, right? Um, I mean, it doesn't go anywhere Nursing is actually a really small community. Like once you know a couple handful of the people, you're going to run and back into them over and over again. So exactly. And I love what you said. First of all, the whole topic of entrepreneurship is it was new to me about two years ago. I had never heard of it. And when we started diving into it in at Kaiser at the Santa Clara campus, such huge potential for the individual campus and then the organization as a whole. Huge. But I love what you said. It's short-sighted, not only for you as a leader to hold somebody back, short-sighted for our profession. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think we've just got a lot of work in terms of reshaping the way nursing leadership looks like, because it's not just now overseeing the nurses that are inside of your facility. It's not just your budget. It's not just the community that you're serving. We have a much larger job ahead of us. In terms of that, you know, I think back to my transition into leadership. I went and became a nurse practitioner because I thought admin was the devil. I was like, I never want to go into administration. They're the devil. I want to only see patients for the rest of my life. And then also got the leadership bug. But, you know, as I got my leadership bug, I then also got handed a $12 million budget. And I was like, okay, I can barely balance my check account. And there's not millions of dollars in there. And so, you know, I I was very ill-prepared in terms of like, it was like a crash course on how to not get a clinic closed because you run out of money. So, I mean, what are some things that you can think of around how organizations or how leaders can support other nurse leaders? What do we need to be doing? I love this whole topic. In fact, it's one of the reasons I left my chief nurse role Um, because I loved my role and I loved, loved my team. It was really big, hard decision about nurse leader preparation for their roles. That's one of the things that inspired me to leave and start Inspire Nurse Leaders. Because I knew what I went through getting thrown into my first clinical leadership role as an assistant nurse manager. 
Rich, don't be jealous, but I was asked to consider the assistant nurse manager role because I was the best IV starter. <laughs> I am totally jealous. Okay, I, I knew you would be. It was a, a That is not a skill set or a competency to lead people <laughs> and to know how to balance a budget, but we still do that. I talked to a leader last week. She got promoted for the same thing. She had the best assessment or the, she considered the best clinician. In her unit, you wouldn't think that that happens anymore. However, throughout my career, whether it was after I had 10 years experience, then when I got my master's degree, I still didn't have what I needed to be successful at my job, meaning I had to work really hard at getting the practical education and training to do all the things nurse leaders do, to lead people, to improve quality outcomes, to manage the budget. Oh my God, finance. I always try to tell my team finance is fun, but they know I'm lying. And then the whole professional advocacy piece, I just didn't, I couldn't find it anywhere. And then when I got my doctorate and really, really drilled down onto what leadership is, I said, that's it. Starting a company, have the courage to develop a curriculum. And listen, there's a lot of education and training out there. Inspire Nurse Leaders Curriculum is a uniquely designed 41 course. How I came up with 41, I wish I could tell you it was scientific. Totally was not. That's how it all landed. But anyway. <laughs> 41 courses across five pillars, though. And I always say it like this. It's five pillars of curriculum, five pillars with one purpose. And the one purpose is to give every nurse leader what they need to be successful and grow themselves, grow their teams so that their patients and families thrive. So it's five pillars. And the pillars are leading people is the biggest pillar, there's 12 different one-hour courses. And I'm not a fan of voiceover PowerPoint. Listen, I've done them myself. <laughs> I, I bored myself doing them. <laughs> so we sought out when we decided to provide this very practical curriculum for nurse leaders and their teams, we sought out the best videographer we could find because we wouldn't do voiceover PowerPoint and I didn't want just the typical. So <laughs> Honestly, in the beginning of the pandemic, we're flying to Salt Lake City. We found a videographer who had a virtual remote studio so we could do it at the best faculty, my closest colleagues from throughout my years, and we pulled it off. We filmed 41 courses across the five pillars, and now we partner with organizations and individual buyers even too so that you could take a course and tomorrow you could use what you learned in that course. It's really been a great experience. I love it. Talk to me some more about what are the, some of the course topics? So for example, and I should tell you that the five pillars, the 40 courses are in what we call the Nurse Leader Academy, the Inspire Nurse Leaders Academy. So leading people, we start with that. It's a foundation. And the very first course is called Your Leadership Matters. And it's a two-hour course. It's not boring, I promise you. You have an exercise in it. You'll keep busy. And I tell funny stories. This one's my course. I tell funny stories about my sister, so it'll keep you laughing. But it's really the foundation of leadership and to do a gut check on, are you really an authentic leader? Are you a transformational leader? Because I think those are the two types of leadership that people say, oh, what kind of leader are you? 
authentic leadership, transformational leadership, but really do we know what it is? And this quick and dirty two-hour course gives you all what you need. And it doesn't just spew information at you. It makes you do the work. It has a really powerful values exercise in it that is the first step for any leader to take so you know who you are and you can find your voice. So that's my favorite. But we also have a couple of courses on emotional intelligence, which is taking a front seat through the whole pandemic. Leaders that score very highly or are strong in their emotional intelligence, their organizations have done a lot better during COVID. So I, I've been saying that the what used to be considered the soft skills are now the required hard skills of any leader. Say it louder for those in the back, Lori. So emotional. <laughs> what did you say? I said I say it louder for those in the back. Oh my gosh. Okay, you are preaching right here. Well, I exactly. So, you know, those soft skills are the required hard skills. And that course in particular, done by a colleague of mine who's a resiliency expert and a compassion fatigue facilitator, she takes them through some emotional intelligence, like a checklist to see where you land. It's really an amazing course. And then there's also a couple of courses on mentoring and coaching for nurse leaders. Not that like you're going to get certified to be a coach. No, that's not what it's about. It's about how to grow and nurture a coaching environment, which is essential right now as we recover from COVID, but essential for millennials. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think, okay, this is like totally not off topic, kind of off and on topic, but I've heard so many times, like you can't teach emotional intelligence. What are your thoughts around if I'm just totally like not aware? And I know some people like that. I was married to one. <laughs> just as an aside, I used to be married to one. All right. Good. So we, okay, we and, and sure a lot of people that are listening have been married to one, or maybe you're married to one right now. And in that case, run. <laughs> but when it comes to emotional intelligence, how likely do you think it is or how achievable do you think it is? for people to actually improve their emotional intelligence if they're really just not aware to begin with? So I think while I respect everyone's opinion, you know, the statement that emotional intelligence really can't be taught is likely an uneducated opinion or ill-informed opinion. And what I would say is emotional intelligence is teachable, it's learnable, and it's measurable. Those three things, it's teachable, it's learnable, it's measurable. And the first step in emotional intelligence is actually learning what it is. So I think that just like leadership in general, it comes naturally to some people. But for those that it doesn't come naturally to or they never had time or it was never expected of them, you define what it is. Then you go the next step of these are the 10 behaviors of highly emotionally intelligent people. And then I'm going to help you incorporate that into your daily leadership practice. That's what it's all about. It's all a journey. I love that. That is the best response ever. And thank you. So for those of you listening and that are like, oh my gosh, this is such a great nurse, but she's lacking some emotional intelligence. She can be taught. He can be taught too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Chris, let's be honest. There are some people you could teach them anything and then they don't want to incorporate that. That's a different conversation you have to have with that employee. Totally different conversation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. You have done the unthinkable, which is transition from like a super secure and safe job to this high risk business where we're teaching nurses how to become great leaders. What is keeping Lori up at night right now? 
Whoa, man, what is keeping me up at night? Chris, I'm actually not going to answer that question. I'm going <laughs> to flip it. I'm going to flip it around. Because, you know, as healthcare leaders, I bet you you've been asked what keeps you up at yeah. night. But I like to turn it around. I like, I like that. to turn it, flip it on its head. I'd rather answer what gets me up in the morning. Oh, I love that. Can I say that nursing is hard. And nursing leadership is even harder. And it's an arduous journey. It's a lonely journey. So to focus on why we became a nurse, what inspired us to become a nurse leader, I love to think about that. And that's what gets me up when I've only gotten four hours of sleep. That's what gets me up when it's been stressful, right? Because I'm so, even to this day, after all these years, I am still fascinated the link between nursing leadership and patient family and team outcomes. When nurse leaders have what they need, the education, the training, the tools, and most importantly, the support to practice at that highest level of nursing leadership, the outcomes are palpable. You can measure when nurse leaders are strong, infections go down. When nurse leaders are strong, mortality is better. When nurse leaders are strong, patient action goes up. When nurse leaders are strong, retention is higher. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. And that's what gets me up in the morning to spend time supporting nurse leaders. I love that. I'm going to start asking that question on like a regular basis. What gets you up in the morning? When people ask me that question, I'm going to say my little three-year-old baby because she really is actually what like literally gets me up in the morning. Yes. Then I keep going on my day for other reasons. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, I love it. You know, we're getting close to wrapping up, but what are maybe like the top three takeaways you want the listeners to walk away with today? If they're in leadership or thinking about leadership, what are the top three things that you want them to remember about Lori? Well, what I want you to know about Lori, number one is that she reminded you of how valuable you are. You know, I do a lot of talks, national, international, whatever. I do a lot of talks. And my number one measure of success is that the people, because my main audience are nurse leaders or nurses, if they leave being reminded of the unbelievable sacred role that they play in care and that they are invaluable, for the health of our nation, then I feel like I was successful, that I reconnected them with their purpose. That's what I want people to know about me and to remember about me. And then the second thing I want them to remember is because of that value, you can do anything. And I'm going to push it, Chris. I'm going to push it here. You can do anything and you should do something. Now, being a bedside nurse, if that is your passion, I encourage you. We need you. Our patients and families need you. But as a nurse leader, you can have even more influence. So continue to know your value and continue to grow and learn. And listen, it would be an honor for me, for your listeners to reach out to me. I do individual coach. And this is not a sales pitch. I suck at selling. And I have (laughs) most nurses do. I have partners who say, you better get better, Lori, at that. But I don't, (laughs) you know, this is my heart that we do coaching. I love, I have set many individual nursing clients and physician clients too, which I'm loving. That individual growth that they're experiencing to meet their goals, we can help you with that. 
The courses alone are an easy way to help you achieve that top decile performance that we're all responsible for, but honestly, that we're all challenged with and bogged down with. Inspire Nurse Leaders is here to help. And that's what I would love for you to remember about me. I love it. So folks want to reach out to you or find out more about your courses. Where can they find you? Well, inspirenurseleaders.com. Just go to my website. Everything is there. But that's important. But I would love to be connected with you on LinkedIn. So Lori Armstrong on LinkedIn, just search and you'll find me. And just for the listeners that are listening, her first name is spelled L-O-R-I. So Lori. Thank you. Thank you for that. Awesome. Well, Lori, it has been fantastic. I'm going to have to get you back on the show because I feel like we haven't even started. I feel like we're just barely skimming the layer. And we have got to just track your progress through everything that's happening with Inspire Nurse Leaders. It is really inspiring. No pun intended. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And it's been an honor for me to be on Nurse Leader Network. Good luck to you, Chris. And I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to expect an invitation to come back. For sure. Have a great day, Lori. 